5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirate. All right, uh, welcome in. Huge jam-packed hour here. News from ECU, news out of the American. Mike Houston speaking after practice. But we start with the governor making the announcement that uh, a lot of people are waiting to hear whether we will be moving on to a new phase of reopening North Carolina phase three, or if we're going to stay mired in phase four. This is what the Gov said about 45 minutes ago. In keeping with our switch approach with school openings, and in order to push for decreasing numbers, which will keep people healthier and boost our economy, North Carolina will remain paused in Safer at Home phase two for five weeks. So what he essentially did there, they set it up very nicely today, was because of universities and colleges reopening, because of schools reopening, we cannot reopen everything else. Governor was actually, there was a little random act of journalism from uh, the guy in Fayetteville today uh, about what's the difference between a brewery and a winery being able to serve alcohol or a restaurant being able to serve alcohol versus bars. Because what this means is bars cannot uh, open, gyms cannot reopen, and I kind of have to wonder, too, what this means for the crowd restrictions because right now those crowd restrictions have pretty much stayed the same, which means if ECU were to play a football game on the 29th, they would do so with no fans in the stands and that can't be done more on that in just a little bit, but the gov set this up. Uh, Cooper says opening schools means we cannot, this is my interpretation of it, by the way. Uh, basically says opening schools means we can't open anything else. Cut three, Ben. The opening of schools and colleges is an important one. Education must go on, even in a pandemic. In-person learning has benefits. But it means challenges for our state, especially as our higher education campuses draw students from around the country and the world. With the hustle and bustle of opening schools, people will move around more, and so will the virus. Other states that lifted restrictions quickly have had to go backward as their hospital capacity ran dangerously low and their cases jumped higher. We will not make that mistake in North Carolina. He, he got really tough there at the end. Did you hear that? So because you want to go take classes, and in turn Ryan's going to go take classes here in uh, a few days, the rest of the state can't. That's, that's his reason. It's my fault. Uh, that's his reasoning because we got to have, you know, yet they, they were touting the fact that uh, Deputy Sheriff Cohen was touting the fact that it was so great that uh, these school systems had opted for pay uh, for phase C or plan C, whatever the hell phase or plan we're in right now, that uh, basically uh, is the remote learning. Well, so I'm sorry, folks. I, I have to go take class. <laughs> It's my it's, fault. It's your fault. <sighs> um, last thing on the governor, because I, I honestly can't stomach any more of it, but and I'm probably going to have you stop the cut here at some point, but as kind of 
predicted. He is the, – the thing they're saying today is the numbers are lagging. So we don't know if these are the up-to-date numbers. A few weeks ago, they were up-to-date numbers, but they're lagging numbers now. So we, we can't be 100% sure. But he was also – he contradicted himself because he was quick to credit the mandatory mask for putting the numbers where they are. You'll hear that at the beginning of this cut here. Experts believe our mandatory mask order stabilized our numbers. And just last week, we added a curfew on alcohol sales to keep restaurants from turning into bars, which are high transmission areas. All right, that's it. That, so that's essentially what he he's crediting all these uh, gutsy measures that he has uh, taken. Uh, so what does this mean? I think you can look no further than uh, when we're talking about ECU football. The American putting out their statement today, John Gilbert putting out his statement today saying essentially that the football season now is a planned 10-game schedule with two non-conference games. Those are Marshall, and that is uh, Georgia State. If you look how long this order goes uh, to remain in this phase, it's going to last all the way to Friday, September 11th. So you've already blown out four weeks of high school football because the NCHSAA resumption date was scheduled to be on the 1st. They're not going to resume now because they're going to be in lockstep with whatever the governor wants. Uh, So if you're not allowing crowds into any venue, what does that mean for football? Obviously, it's detrimental for ECU to play a game without any fans in the stands. So we know that the 12th, is open uh, as a possibility, September 12th. That would be an open date right now for both ECU because of the South Carolina game getting canceled based on the SEC's decision. And uh, Marshall was slated to play Pitt. So that would be a logical date, and you would be hopeful you'd be able to have some kind of fans in the stands so that would help absorb the economic losses. Um, John Gilbert saying that the schedule will not change from what was previously announced. The American today, uh, saying that schools could add if they are able to a four non up to four non-conference games of play the full 12 game schedule. Uh, just about 15 minutes ago, commissioner Oresco talking to Joseph Duarte, Joe Duarte with, uh, the Chronicle in Houston. We're not sure what our teams we're not sure that our teams can get to 12. There's a lot that could affect that. This is the most unusual year we faced. Oresco basically according to this tweet unsure if AA schools will be able to replace all non-conference games but will try. ECU saying that they essentially uh will not. But as far as um other schools, you might see them try to add if uh up to 11 games. I, I really think it could be impossible to get 12 games at this point for anybody. Uh, but you probably will see schools that are trying to maybe squeeze one out and get that 11th uh, game, especially those schools, maybe UCF, USF, trying to get a, a something going with Florida State or Miami based on what the ACC is trying to do. Uh, there were other things said today about the uh, football for the American 
Uh, we'll get to some of that uh, in a little bit, but I think it's time to turn to uh, Mike Houston here. Uh, because it is a pirate report, let's play that open, Ben, and then we'll uh, tie it in with what we've talked about here in the opening minutes of this uh, show. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. So, Mike Houston was asked today, what does staying in Phase 2 mean for his team? And uh, this is what this is before the governor's announcement. Now, it had been leaked uh, by a couple of uh, media outlets that in Raleigh that uh, – the governor was going to stick in phase two. So everybody had kind of come to terms with that. Now the thinking was it was going to be three or four weeks. I'd seen both reported and talked about four weeks seemed to be the, the smart money. When he said five weeks, I about fell off the, uh, the stool in there in the other room where I was rolling on all this. Um, cause I mean, that, that takes us into September anyway. Um, uh, this is what Mike Houston said before, you know, all of this was official about what does it mean if his team has to stay in phase two? Probably the same thing it does for every other football program in the state of North Carolina. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's just certain protocols with, uh, you know, spacing and everything that we'll be conscientious of. Um, there was another one on here, uh, Ben. Uh, the scrimmages, cut four. Uh, let me know when you get that queued up. Because while they're getting reps and guys are getting reps because they're spaced out, Eventually, you do have to have some scrimmage time in there. And with these guidelines and not moving on to phase three, how the hell are you going to do that? Well, Coach was asked about that today. Well, we'll have to follow protocols. Um, you know, I've got the grounds crew setting up the, uh, the fields uh, very similar to what they will be uh, during the regular season. So, the, you know, the, the player's box will be from the 10 to the 10. So, which will allow, you know, a lot of spacing on the sidelines. All the kids are wearing the gator masks, uh, you know, while they're in pads. So anytime they've got their helmet off, they'll have a mask on, you know, everything operationally, we've just got to be conscientious of, uh, you know, making sure we've got good spacing anytime that, uh, you know, the the guys are uh, out of the drill. So SI.com earlier uh, broke the news uh, that we had posted about uh, the Americans saying the eight conference games up to four non-conference games. This was before the John Gilbert uh, announcement uh, by a few hours. Uh, the American, in part, when they put out their official announcement today, says they pl- uh, the plan calls for conference competition to begin September 19th and for each of the American teams to play eight conference games on their originally scheduled dates. Non-conference games may be played at the discretion of the individual schools with the understanding that the opponents will strictly adhere to protocols and standards for testing pregame, in-game, and post-game operations set by the Americans Medical Advisory Group. So that's basically what Mike Oresco told us a couple weeks ago, that since uh, the American is testing on the same level as the SEC, the ACC at all, uh, if you're going to play someone in a non-conference setting from the Sun Belt, uh, from uh, CUSA, the MAC, little MACTION, if you're going get, to get you a little MACTION, they have to be testing at the same level. That, uh, is that off the dome piece right there? Maction? No, no, that's it's, it's oh, that, called Maction. That's you didn't a known know that? term. Oh, okay. Yeah. What are you? What are you talking? I thought about? you were cool for a second there. I guess you're not. No, I mean everybody uses Maction. I don't think I might not have used it in the context that I just did. That's a first for me. Really? I like it though. I like it. I was saying. Um. Th- then, if their guidelines are similar to that of the American, then they would play uh, testing guidelines, then they would play. 
uh, non-conference. That's another reason why it might be tough to get to 12. Anyway, uh, the, the, the meat of this from the American today. Depending on the need to potentially reschedule regular season games, the American Football Championship will be played either December 5th, 12th, or 19th at the stadium of the regular season champ. A decision regarding the date of the championship will be made no earlier than November 1st. What happens if ECU wins the regular season and is hosting a thing and Wimpy has not taken us out of phase uh, two yet? Sounds like when you he, start he, thinking about right it. Right now, he needs to, he's trying to keep that going to November. Now, you know, it, it's a young ECU team. It'll be a better ECU team. I don't know if they're ready to be the conference champion in year two of Mike Houston's reign. Uh, but let's just suppose they are. How do you How do you do that? How do you host that game if he's not taking us out? I know it's down the road, but did you think in your wildest dreams today this would go past Labor Day? No, not right. at all. Exactly. So Mike Houston was asked his thoughts on the ACC schedule announcement. Cut 11, hit it. Well, we had a call today. Uh, the president's needies had a call this morning. We had a call as coaches at lunchtime today. So uh, I think we're all on the same page. Uh, you know, we understand, you know, we're going to retain our conference schedule, and then our non-conference schedule will be whatever – uh, each school can put together. Uh, so we feel, you know, feel good about having 10 games right now, whether we add any to that, uh, or not, you know, will remain to be seen. I think there's a lot of stuff that's going to shake out in the next couple of weeks, uh, you know, with some other leagues and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, the 10 games that we have right now is going to be very competitive as far as the schedule goes. Um, and I think the, the Americans doing everything that it can to make sure that the, it protects the, uh, you know, the schools in our conference. And I think the, you know, the big focus is, you know, this league is one of the top FBS conferences in the country. And uh, I think that uh, the commissioner and everyone is trying, they're trying to do what they can to ensure that we stay uh, at that high competitive level and stay relevant uh, with the other power five conferences. Speaking of the American, before all of this got going today, it was announced earlier this morning, and this was on national news, uh, Pundits were talking about this. UConn made the decision. This was supposed to be their first year as an independent. And uh, UConn canceled the season. Now, when I saw that, I thought to myself, that didn't surprise me. UConn really has no interest in playing football. And this, they cite COVID. And I'm not saying that, that those aren't legitimate concerns. They may be legitimately, they're in a hot spot. I saw something today. Let me find this. While I'm looking for this, I can tell you that it's just not surprising that UConn has, would, would – I mean, this probably means the end of football at UConn, wouldn't you think? No I mean, doubt, there's no way sure. you There's no way you start back up next year as an, inter- as, a, uh, as an independent. They're just speeding up the process at this point. They basically are. Uh, I want to quote this correctly. I may have to come back and find this in a little bit. Oh, here it is. Uh, Connecticut. Deaths per million, one million population. Uh, So in other words, this is the amount of deaths per million people. Connecticut had the fourth highest in the U.S. with 1,245 deaths per million due to COVID. So, you know, those are legitimate concerns if you're following the science. As far as the state of Connecticut has seen, the fourth most deaths per million as of today uh, during the uh, the whole pandemic. 
But you know just as well as I know, they have no interest in taking and playing another snap of at least FBS football in uh, at UConn. It's not a breadwinner there. It's not a money maker in the first place. It's, you're not generating a lot of revenue from football, anyways. Speaking of which, we'll get to to some other news in football today. Uh, really, all sports, but football in just a moment, based on what you said. So hold that point. But people are acting like this is the first domino to fall. The first, they don't want to play. They had no interest in playing FBS football, or they wouldn't have gone independent, even as bad as they have been. Had they had UConn decided they wanted to at least put a representative team out there, they they wouldn't have done this. They would never have left the league in football. They'd have worked out something to main, maintain the football member, I'm sure, or just stay in the American. Uh, D2, D3, and uh, D2 making this decision within the last hour, at least announcing it, have uh, canceled their fall championships. Those are the kids you feel really, really bad for. Because uh, the D2 kids, some of them are most of them, they're on some form of, of aid or scholarship. But they're going to wind up without any uh, conclusion in a championship setting to any of their, a lot of them don't have seasons now at this point. Uh, and uh, D3 where, I mean, you're lit- legitimately playing or literally playing. Uh, there's no scholarships involved. You're playing because you want to play. Uh, those kids now don't have a chance to, but there's no money there. There's no revenue to be made on those levels. But I think of the Barton program that was getting ready to kick off this year and they've got all those kids ready to go. You know, now they've they've got a beautiful football facility that the school there has put money into football. It's a, will be a great setting for fall Saturdays to play football games. Now they have to wait another year uh, over in Wilson, but uh, countless other places as well. Um all right, let's let's take a break. Uh, we're going to get LeBlanc on from Canes Country just to have a little what happened with the Canes. They they won last night. We're, we're not going to get too in the weeds or nerdy with this. Uh, and then Brian Mall will be with us. Uh, if you have any thoughts on this, I I think it's good to open the phone lines if if folks are so inclined to call it five six one game two five two five six one four two six three. At this point. Again, I, I think the the way that the American and ECU have planned, there will be football, and they can move that Marshall game to try to get accommodate fans in the stands, which would conceivably be allowed in Phase 3 in some capacity. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure the American and ECU could submit their plans to the governor as uh, NASCAR had, uh, as you know the RNC did, and... Uh, as other events, I'm sure the Panthers are having to submit some kind of plan because the Panthers, even though they're not going to have the preseason, they're not going to want to play uh, games in September. I mean, that's also butting right up against the start of the NFL season. That's two. This would end two days before the NFL season. And the Panthers probably want to have some kind of, again, fans in the stands. With the NFL, it's not as reliant on ticket sales, but that is a part of the equation. So, um but I mean, I, I think it. I mean, I've seen you know, there's businesses in this town that have been closed for five months, and are going to be closed for another month. And uh, I just don't know how those folks, especially some that have invested a lot of money uh, in recent times, of that are going to be able to continue on. So, uh, 
any any thoughts on this today? I mean, I don't think anybody's surprised that it did not enter into phase three or come close. But I do think the five weeks was a little shocking uh, from the governor. Uh, we'll return. Uh, if you're uh, dialed in, we'll get to you. If not, we'll uh, get to LeBlanc, and we'll continue on here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Stay tuned for more of the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Pitt County's home for sports, the P-Man. He's a big, dumb animal, isn't he, folks? This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Uh, chance of fog in the overnight hours, especially before sunrise, low of 72 tonight. Chance of showers tomorrow, 40% high of 87. We're looking at uh, 60% chance of rain Friday, mainly in the afternoon with a high of 89 and then 89 on uh, Saturday. Currently in uh, Greenville. Wait, nothing's moving here today. Is our internet down, Ben? Ah, it is. Well, it's not as hot as it has been. That's all you need to know. All you need to know. <sighs> Brian LeBlanc, CanesCountry.com. Let's not get overly nerdy with this, okay? Let's not get in the weeds. But uh, the Canes sweep in this qualifying series of the Rangers. It's almost as if the Rangers had no business in the postseason. Uh, it almost seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Hi, Patrick. How are you? Well, Pleasure to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to have you on as it always is, Brian, and we know you'll break it down so the average uh, fella can understand uh, this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Canes now have to remain after this sweep in uh, getting, I guess, qualifying for the for the big dance in a sense. The Canes now will have to kind of wait around the bubble, right? Yep. Any chance we could go to the bubble and wait around with them because uh, obviously there were, you can't do a whole lot in this state for the next five weeks. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's very true. Um, I, even if even if we could, I don't think they'd be uh, playing hockey games in front of live crowds anytime soon. Right. So there's that. But, right. Right. Um, yeah. So they uh, they're going to be off for about a week. Uh, last I heard, the first round of the quote unquote official playoffs is supposed to start next Tuesday. So. They get about a week off uh, by Sunday. They should know who they're playing. Uh, but we won't know before then because of uh, the convoluted way that the NHL is seeding the playoffs this year. So why did the Canes have such an easy time with the Rangers after the Rangers won all four games in the regular season, which seems like 17 years ago? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, I, and I appreciate you asking that, Patrick. Um, no, I think that the, the biggest thing that went well for the Hurricanes was that the players that they needed to step up stepped up. Sebastian Ajo had eight points in three games. Uh, the top line, which is Ajo, Andrei Svechnikov, and Tavo Teravainen had 16 points in three games. They got outstanding goaltending. Both Peter Morazic and James Reimer were excellent. And, you know, in, in much the same way they did to Washington last year, after the Caps had swept them in the first in the regular season, and the Hurricanes went on to win in seven in the playoffs, uh, they they came together at the right time. Uh, they the depth players for the Hurricanes outworked the depth players for the Rangers, and the defense, uh, you know, having enough time to really do their homework on figuring out how to stop the Rangers' attack, basically, you know, followed the game plan to a T. And so credit the coaching staff, credit the players for executing it. 
everything kind of clicked, and that's why the Hurricanes are moving on. All right. Uh, ratings, I guess, have been fairly good for this, right? I have no idea. Okay. I would imagine so. Right, it's, well, it's, they li- it's, live sp- it's live sports on yeah, television. Yeah, but, but so, basketball you know. and baseball kind of went in the tank, uh, and it, it seems like you know, golf has been strong, uh, and I guess hockey's been okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think there's definitely a, there's definitely a buzz around it. Okay, uh, for sure. All right. Well, here's my question to you then. I know they had uh-huh. like, there's games going on right now. They started at noon. They're going till two in the morning. Whatever. Uh, for the next week, if you want, if you won't be able to watch the Canes. What are some series uh, or games that you would suggest uh, people keep an eye on if they want to get their hockey Jones? Well. Um... In the East, I think the the most exciting series to uh, to keep an eye on is the one between Pittsburgh and Montreal, uh, which should be a walk for the Penguins. Uh, but Montreal's been hanging around; they're a pesky team, and I mean that in you know a, in the in the hockey sense where that's a compliment. Um, I, I think that's that's that series is a lot of fun to watch. Uh, the real the real good series really so far have been out west, um, especially Chicago and Edmonton. Connor McDavid. Uh, just took over game two of that series, uh, scoring a hat trick. Same day that Andre Sechikov scored his. Um, really exciting series. And then the the round robins are probably not really worth much time. Um, you know, they're they're kind of being treated somewhere in between an exhibition game and a regular season game. I think, even though they're playing for seeding, uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about those. But the real action is going to be, especially when you get down to the games that are coming up on eliminations, which we're getting close to for pretty much all these series. Uh, you know, desperation hockey, be it playoffs or not, is always fun to watch, and there's going to be plenty of that over the next few days. Canescountry.com's Brian LeBlanc, thank you so much. My pleasure, P-Man. Good talking to you. All right, we'll, soon. we'll catch up with you soon. All right. There he goes, Brian LeBlanc. Ben Byram right now with a look at uh, all other news. We told you about D2 and D3 canceling their fall championships. Uh, and uh, UConn, there's some other things there. Ben will recap all that for you and a lot more right now. Ben Barham here for your 94 Through the Game Sports Update. Moments ago, the American Athletic Conference announced their plans for the 2020 season schedule-wise. The conference announced that they will stick to an eight-game conference schedule with the option of members being able to play up to four non-conference games. ECAD John Gilbert from his Beyond the Helm announcement earlier today in response to the conference says his plan is to keep ECU's current schedule of eight conference games and two non-conference games and Marshall and Georgia State stands. Gilbert claims that he's perfectly comfortable with the way things are and won't seek any more non-conference games. And ECU head football coach Mike Houston early, earlier today tended to agree. You know, I think, you know, the 10 games that we have right now is going to be very competitive as far as the schedule goes. Regarding fans in the stands for the season, ECU AD John Gilbert claims that he at least wants to have students, season ticket holders, and student-athlete guests with masks being mandatory in attendance, but acknowledges that there's been no final ruling. Elsewhere in the college football landscape, UConn continues their offseason struggles. They announced that they'll be in the, the first D1 football team to opt out of the 2020 season due to the coronavirus. And NCAA President Mark Emmert announced moments ago that all D3 and D2 fall sports championships will be canceled for the upcoming season. Live action currently underway from baseball as the Phillies battle the Yankees. A Roman Quinn RBI propels the Phillies to a 4-3 lead over, the New, over New York. 
in the bottom of the fourth. And live action from the NBA playoff bubble in Orlando, some competitive games. As the Spurs barely lead the Nuggets 65-62 in the third. And the 76ers barely beating the Wizards in the third, 56-54. Joel Embiid looking for a double-double in that game as he has 10 points and 8 rebounds. If you're 94th of the game sports update, I'm Ben Byron. More for the P-Man after this quick timeout. Wake up with Clay Travis. Get home with the P-Man on Pitt County's home for sports. 94.3 The Game. Patrick Johnson. I think he's a hedonist and an overblown grandstander. This is the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Our guy Brett McMurphy just tweeting, uh, the college football playoff announces the selection committee's final ranking will now come out December 20th. So it's after that 19th kind of last date that a lot of football uh, conferences are going to play their championship game on. Semi-final schedule for Rose and Sugar Bowls on January 1st with the title game in Miami Gardens on January 11th. Also shortened teams required stay at the title game site. By how many days would you guess? Three. One. One. Wow. All right. I think that's the day that the coronavirus will not be, you know, Catch them slipping. The coronavirus is going to stay that day, and then it's going to leave when the other teams come. Got to catch them on a bad day. Well, it's like the curfew. You know, it doesn't go out after eleven. Doesn't go in. It goes in bars, but not wineries and breweries. Can't you still buy drinks at a convenience store? Yeah, I'm sure you can. Yeah. So what's the point? Um, Brian Mull, Caddy Network. PGA Championship gets underway tomorrow out in California. Brian Mull joins us from the uh, lovely port city of Wilmington. Talking a little golf. Hey, hey, bud. How are yeah. you? I'm good. How are you? I'm uh, I'm all right. There's a lot happening. And uh, I'm just trying to digest it and take it all in. Uh, You're the man for the job. Well, yes. I think I'm getting indigestion from all this digesting. <laughs> but I'm I'm digesting it nonetheless. Uh, so I heard Lee Trevino today on an interview. Oh, my God. How, how fantastic is Lee Trevino? And What a story. Yeah, what stories he has. Oh, God. He's just so good. He's so good. There's the guy that we ought to vote for president. He's sharp. I mean, he really was. Put him in there. Yeah, he was great. He was so He was so with it and just, you know, I mean, I'm talking about with it on the current. He wasn't just telling old old-time stories. I mean, he was, you know, he knew he, he was breaking down. DJ's putting and uh, and why Webb Simpson he believes will win this weekend. I mean, just really great stuff. Um, but he described this course that they're playing the PGA Championship on uh, as, uh, and correct me if I'm, I don't say it exactly right here, but kind of a right to left course. See, he, he likened it to Augusta in some respects. Yeah, uh, some of, some of the key holes certainly. Uh, there are dog legs. Uh, throughout the golf course, basically any hole that's not a par three bends uh, one way or the other, but um, fairly equally uh, distributed between left to right and right to left. And, um, you know, as far as the guys hit it now, it's going to be interesting from a strategy perspective. Uh, I think some of the longer hitters, the Bryson DeChambeau's and maybe Kepka's and the guys of that nature will, will just take out the driver and try to get as close as they can to the green, maybe go over some of the corners uh, whereas Jordan Spieth said that uh, he's well aware of what the cypress trees that line those fairways can do to a golf ball, as in eat one, they'll they'll just go in there and never come out. So he's uh, you know going to play the the course 
a little bit more straightforward layup off the tee and that sort of thing. So there's going to be a couple of different approaches. I would certainly favor the bombers because you know, somebody's going to be on with their driver and uh, going to be able to create a lot of birdie chances that way. So Justin Tom Thomas, who you're very high on. Oh um, yeah, I mean he he was sensational last week at Memphis, and now let's say he goes out here with Bones, uh, the former caddy of Phil Mickelson, uh, on the bag and wins this week. So he's won two weeks in a row and wins a a major with him. I mean, what does is his caddy able to come back? Is is this a Wally Pip situation? No, nah, Jimmy Johnson, his regular caddy, is is uh, has won as many tournaments probably uh, as anyone out there who's active. Uh, worked for Nick Price for many years in his heyday. Worked for Steve Stricker. Um, had a lot of success with with Steve, and and then has latched on to had a lot of other good bags as well. And fine player in his own right. Actually knew Nick Price from competing against him over in South Africa and Zimbabwe, but. Uh, yeah, Jimmy's apparently been experiencing a little bit of health issues, some dizziness and that sort of thing, and yeah. you know, probably getting up close to 60 years old and just need to get those things checked out and the heat. And obviously it's not a not an easy walk this week or, or any week. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think if, I think Bones understands it's temporary. He's going to go back to his uh, TV gig whenever uh, NBC starts picking up the coverage. And, uh, you know, I, he'll have a lot more money when he does. <laughs> Brian, Brian Mall from the Caddy Network. Uh, go to caddynetwork.com. Brian, uh, it seems like it's coming out on Tuesdays now, is uh, kind of handicapping the field uh, for entertainment purposes only, of course, kids. Sure. And uh, We try to get it out there Tuesday morning, occasionally Monday night if I'm on my okay. game and yeah. able to Well, there was a hurricane. You were in the midst of a hurricane on Monday night, so that kind of I was. I was. I was. Uh, it was a... Yeah, we, we we survived down here. So unfortunately, some of our neighbors uh, down to Brunswick County had yeah. a really rough road. Yeah, uh, some major destruction down that way. But we we made out okay in Wilmington for the most part. Um, a little debris, not not a tremendous amount of damage. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I I look at you know that I look at who might, based on what you're saying, uh, you know, be able to to you know, maybe just sort of outdrive the challenges on this course, as you alluded to a moment ago. But I also think of guys that are more finesse guys. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think whoever – I think tomorrow is key for everybody. But I think it's especially key for Tiger in that Tiger has to have a very good start to be – to harbor any kind of hopes of, of contending in this thing into the weekend. And I know that sounds oh, no. kind of simplistic to say, but – in other words, he can't have a so-so round tomorrow and then expect Friday to make it. I mean, he's really got to go out, I think, tomorrow and put up a – and I think other guys do too. There's certain guys that aren't going to – despite how their games are are right now, I I, I to think if you – you have to have a really good start to be able to contend and, and win this thing. In other words, I think the course is a little challenging to try to make up some ground on Friday and get your way into this thing. No, I agree with you um, for a number of reasons. I mean, I think we're looking at a winning score probably in the 9 to 12 under range, uh, maybe not even – they may not even take it that deep. You may be able to shoot a couple under a day and win this thing. But uh, the wind's going to blow. I mean, this golf course is uh, overlooking Lake Merced and just a, a mile or so from the Pacific Ocean and sits up high there. The wind's going to blow in the afternoon, and it's going to you know, blow significantly, 18, 20, maybe even gusting up to 25. And when you – 
combine that with the cold, damp air that we all know is Northern California. I mean, temperatures barely getting out of the 60s. It's it's going to it's going to be difficult to post a score in the afternoon. And and frankly, I think the guys that uh, I kind of favored the guys that are in the early late rotation playing early Thursday and late Friday. Tiger being one of them, uh, because they're going to get a golf course that's. Uh, you know, it's going to be pretty calm for most of their round, and, and they're going to have an opportunity. I just think starting in the afternoon in a major championship when the conditions are very difficult and there's already some, you know, probably three, four, five under par scores on the board, it, it can be it can be difficult to catch up. So I, I look for, for the leaders uh, after 36 holes to be, be some guys that, that play early tomorrow and then and they're kind of able to hang on Friday afternoon, but, you know, have a round underneath their belt and, uh, you know, certainly – are a little more comfortable going into that situation after coming off a good round. We got Brian Mole with us uh, here. Um, obviously, everybody is uh, sort of salivating over DeChambeau and and uh, maybe attributing, you know, some of these uh, good numbers ratings wise. And it certainly helps that the PGA I think had some compelling finishes uh, that it has uh, kind of got out there ahead of everybody else and. It, had a chance to build its its fan base a little bit. I still say they've run this this thing uh, very very well, um, but right now the numbers for this are very uh, very strong. I mean they're better than uh, Major League Baseball, better than the NBA, uh, and I think people are, are kind of digging this. And I think this good stretch we're about to go on here with the regular season ending next week here in North Carolina, and then into the playoffs, and then all the other majors. I mean this is. Some really high-level stuff we're going to see over the next several weeks. Yeah, it's very cool to think of the the amount of uh, top quality fields that we've had, and what we're it's going to get even better playing for the championships that everybody knows. Even the casual sports fan will tune into. You know, Tiger talked about it yesterday. Nobody's ever done this before. It's going to be about pacing yourself, especially at his age. But when you look at the guys who have played well you know, in the last six weeks and won tournaments, we've got a lot of guys who are on top of their game, whether it is Justin Thomas. John Rahm's results have been indifferent other than his win. Uh, Webb Simpson, I was, I really liked going into a couple of weeks ago. I was thinking, you know, he won his other major down the road there at yeah. Olympic Club in San Francisco. His caddy, Paul Tessori, is on the sidelines for a little while. And, um, you know, it always hurts when you lose a caddy, but I don't think there's a player on the tour who's more reliant on his caddy and Webb, and, and I say that uh, because he respects you know Paul that much. Paul played the tour briefly, played on the golf team, won a national championship at the University of Florida, and uh, really works as not only his caddy but his swing coach at this point too. So uh, you know they, they they have a deep discussion, conversation, uh, every shot and strategy and game plan. I, I think he'll miss Paul this week in a major where you have to. It's not about your good shots, but it's about where your bad shots end up and whether you can you know salvage par from there. Uh, Xander Schauffele is another guy that I'm just, uh, you know, has flown under the radar. And you look at how well he's played in the majors. And I like I like the Californians out west. And I think Xander's a star in the making. I mean, he's already won the tour championship and um, certainly, you know, had, had some shots to, to, to win some majors. I think this could be a breakout week for him. Only 26 years old. He's He's been so good since he got on tour. I think it's easy to forget that he's still just – just a 26-year-old in his fourth or fifth year on the tour. Our guy, uh, Brian Mull with us here, uh, Caddy Network. CaddyNetwork.com, Brian kind of handicaps the PGA. It starts tomorrow out in California. Uh, as far as uh, Harold Varner, give us uh, kind of, you know, he's had a couple of weeks off here. 
uh, Harold uh, was the leader going into Sunday last year, had uh, a, a really bad final round last last year. Uh, but uh, give us kind of your thoughts on what we might see from Harold this weekend. I think it's a good golf course for him. I really do. I think there are you could draw a lot of similarities to Beth Page. Uh, you know, you're going to have to drive the ball in the fairway, which is something he has done very well this year. And you're, you're going to you're going to have to hit a lot of greens. You know, there's not going to be a lot of scrambling. If you're scrambling, it's, you're not going to last very long on this leaderboard. And uh, I think he he likes his chances a little better on the on the golf courses where where ten or twelve under may win as opposed to to the shootouts you know where where it's 18 20 22 under and i'm sure he's uh mentally ready to to uh you know get right back in in, in situation and, and and regardless of the way it finished last year i'm i'm certain he draws confidence from from just putting himself in that position and 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 you know learn an immense amount from it uh you know i, I expect him to play the weekend and uh you know i, I just think ball striking you know, a couple of days around par will be good enough to get to the weekend. And then, uh, you know, if his putter could get hot, he could get back on the leaderboard again. All right, Brian, who else, uh, I mean, who, who, if you had to pick one guy or a group of guys, who would you say are the guys here? Well, I mean, we've kind of been over some of them, Thomas and Shawflay for sure. Uh, I like Pat, Patrick Cantlay, another Californian who, who's just steady uh, up there every week. Um, Brooks Kepka finished second last week after really struggling and, and, uh, you know, he, he figured something out where he was, uh, made a little adjustment in the swing because he was kind of protecting that, that injured left knee and feels like he's corrected that and certainly played extremely well until the last hole last week. So, I mean, here's a guy who we haven't even really talked about. He's going for three PGAs in a row, which, you know, nobody's won the same major three times in a row in many, many years. So, um, you know, I, I expect it to be a pretty familiar leaderboard. I think this golf course will the cream will rise to the top and and, and kind of sift itself out. And I don't expect it to be somebody to come out from too far out of nowhere. I think you're gonna you're gonna see uh, you know guys on the leaderboard who we've seen on leaderboards here in the last couple of months. Mickelson doesn't have a chance, or, or what? My guy left. I, I just you, you know I know he's your guy, and um, I mean what he's doing at his age out there is, is remarkable, and and certainly Memphis is. a place where he's always played well and he played well again there yeah. last week and, yeah. and you know to his credit he put four good rounds together which has kind of been you know his nemesis here in recent years uh you know i would never count him out i just you know with his driver yeah um if it's been if he's spending you know the rough's pretty dense out there if he's spending four days in the rough i just don't know that um you know that's a that, that's a young man's game just kind of bombing yeah. it wherever right. and uh you know wedging it up there and knocking in pots you know the as you get older, you need to be a little more uh, regimented. <laughs> Most people do, and I think he's going to have to gear back maybe at times if he wants to uh, if he wants to contend. All right, what about the big cat? You didn't mention El Tigre there, any? Yeah, we just we don't know. I mean, I don't like. Uh, he's already talking about how he's you know he's been playing in Florida every day, and that's great, and it's ninety five degrees and humid, and I'm sure his body feels great. And now he's going to be wearing a couple of sweaters, and he talked about layering up his core. And, uh, you know, since he had this most recent back surgery and, and, and started coming back, I, I've just not seen whether it's been the British Open, whether it was the Pebble Beach Open last year. I just haven't seen his swing and, and, and his game look as sharp in, in cooler temperatures. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just wonder uh, the lack of repetitions. I know he's gearing toward the majors, but I really thought he should have probably played 
um, one of the last couple of weeks just to get some more tournament rounds under his belt. Um, I, I think he'll make the cut, but I, I don't expect him to be a factor on Sunday. Gotcha. All right, Brian, thanks a lot. Check out uh, Brian Mull, uh, caddynetwork.com. We appreciate it, bud. Thank you, Patrick. Have a good one. All right. Once upon a time, I interviewed Johnny Football. Johnny Football took to Twitter today. Said some good things on Twitter. And he went after your boy. Yeah. Darren Ravel. Rightfully so. We'll, go, we'll recap that feud and uh, recap everything from today after this. You can now listen to 94.3 The Game anywhere, anytime. That's a bold statement. Listen to us on your smart speaker. Simply ask Alexa or Google to stream WRHD and connect with us at home, work, or anywhere. We're on TuneIn Radio at 94.3 The Game, so take us anywhere you go. Patrick Johnson, every weekday at 5. I know he's a friend of yours, but that guy is bonkers. This is The Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. I don't mind Darren Ravel. I mean, he's been on this show. Well, I got some off-the-show stuff. I got my reasons. I know you do. I think it's a little weird. But um, that's okay. Well, he promised something, and he didn't live up to his uh, promise. I got you. No, I understand. And you have your right to feel. And he is crucified on social media. But I thought the time he was on with us, he was good, and he was—he had a good time and all that. And, uh, and I and I think he says a lot of things that are quite interesting. Um, he likes to kind of post things on social media that I think are, you know, sort of interesting. I, what was it, twenty years ago or ten years? Not twenty years ago, but like ten years ago, was it? Was it ten years ago? Anyway, he put a tweet up talking about the covers of different magazines, Sports Illustrated and maybe ESPN. I don't know. Uh, back when sports magazines were a thing. And he had A-Rod on one. He said A-Rod was at his low point there in Johnny Football. It was going into the season. So Manziel was on, you know, and, and they've kind of flipped. A-Rod's very relevant now. Uh, and uh, Manziel's very irrelevant. Doing commercials for the general or something. Can't make it up. He can't make it in the uh, Canadian Football League. No. And so uh, Johnny Football tweets at Ravel and – Tells him he's still a dork, or, or much stronger terms than that. Then Clay Travis got involved. It's very funny. It's well, you know, Clay Travis has to get involved. Yeah, he and Ravel have had a little go back and forth here. Okay, um, here are the highlights. In case you're just joining us, or you've been under a rock here. Uh, phase two will remain in North Carolina because kids want to go to school or colleges or universities. That's the reason, and the, and the lagging indicator. It's my fault. The lagging indicator. That's what we learned. Uh, for the next five weeks, so that means not until September 11th. If ECU or any school in the state or the Panthers don't get some kind of exemption, no game on the 29th unless you're going to play it without fans, which I don't think they want to do here. Uh, John Gilbert announces today he what he said all along, he wants fans to be able to come, season ticket holders, players, guests, students. Uh, and I think the only way that can be done at this point if it's post the 11th of September that would mean that the 12th might be the first date that that could happen for ECU, and that's an open date for ECU and Marshall. That's going to be tough for their staff midseason. you got to figure out how to get fans in the stadium. Well, they'll be doing They're planning on it anyway, so that's fine. 
But the fact that I think you have to move the game now with no guarantee that you will be allowed beyond the 11th to have fans in. And this just, in my opinion, devastates things for the high schools. Um, we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Pirates aren't practicing, but we got a lot of audio from Mike Houston we can still get to. That will be Jermaine and uh, more. Uh, thanks to Brian LeBlanc. Thanks to Brian Mull. Thanks to Ben Byram and uh, our, uh, our new intern, intern Ryan. Quite a head of hair. We'll see you tomorrow. Patrick Johnson Show.